Welcome to the final episode in our series on the origins of the Canada Foundation for Innovation. I'm Neil Morrison. So far, our series has told the story of how the CFI got to where it is today, its unlikely origin story. I say unlikely because 20 years ago, the country was heavily burdened by its past. Federal debt was spiraling out of control. And as a result, government spending faced massive cuts. And yet, this is also the time the federal government made the critical decision to invest in innovation. It's difficult to imagine now, but 20 years ago, the word innovation was itself innovative. Martha Piper was involved in the early discussions around what would eventually become the Canada Foundation for Innovation. At the time, she was the president of UBC. She says she and others wanted to find a word that captured a new way of thinking. Back then, innovation was just emerging as a new term. It was a new way to describe the effort to think differently. So it made sense to fold it into the name of a foundation that was set to change the landscape for research infrastructure in Canada. These days, the word innovation is everywhere. In the 2017 budget, for example, it appeared 262 times. And on top of that, there were the words innovate or innovators. Innovation is now secure in its status as a buzzword, but its ubiquity hints at the challenge ahead for the CFI. So much has changed in the 20 years since CFI was created. Keep in mind, 20 years ago, Google didn't exist, not to mention Facebook or Twitter. In the past 20 years, there have been seven federal elections and four prime ministers. And the universities that 20 years ago needed new labs now need to find ways to operate those labs into the future. Dramatic change has been a constant throughout the life of CFI, and the safest prediction one can make is that this will continue to be the case over the next two decades. It's the job of my two guests to ensure the CFI is set up to thrive in the years to come. Dr. Gilles Petri is the president of CFI. He's been at the helm since August 2010. Prior to joining the CFI, he held many senior positions at Canadian universities, including Dean of Engineering at the University of Ottawa, as well as President and Vice-Chancellor of the University. Dr. Kevin Smith is the Chair of the Board of Directors of the CFI. He is also currently President and Chief Executive Officer, St. Joseph's Health System Hamilton, and Chief Executive Officer, Niagara Health System. So, both very busy people, and I appreciate you taking the time to chat with me today. My pleasure. Our pleasure. So let's start with where things stand right now. Um, I'll start with you, Joe. Um, in this series on CFI's origins, we heard a lot about the state of research capacity in Canada before CFI. How would you describe the current environment for high-level research? Yeah, I think it's important to recognize at the outset that, um, you know, among uh leading science nations in the world, Canada is doing pretty well. We have a very uh, well-structured system with the Natural Sciences and Engineering Research Council, for example, the Canadian Institutes of Health, the Social Sciences and Humanities Research Council, which are the three granting agencies. And two of us, the Canada Foundation for Innovation, as well as Genome Canada, essentially make up these five organizations that support research in Canada. So the system is performing quite well, is well-structured. And so that I think we should celebrate. But things like the level of support needs to be addressed because um, I think people will admit that uh, 
the uh, cost of doing research has increased at a rate that is higher than the normal inflation rate. And the granting councils have essentially just received about the cost of living over the years. And when you add to that the growth in the system, the fact that uh, in Canada, the number of full-time graduate students has been increasing dramatically year after year. Uh, between 2000 and 2012, we've almost doubled the number of full-time graduate students. So when you factor that into consideration, then there is a need to obviously increase the level of funding, uh, as well as in our particular case, because CFI is about infrastructure, uh, looking at uh, big science, at you know, developing a strategic roadmap for large-scale research facilities, both in Canada and also the facilities that are outside the country that need to be accessed by Canadian researchers. So I think we can be very proud of what we have, and I'm expecting in the coming months that uh, the system is going to be enhanced even, even more. Kevin, do you think uh, Canada is now an attractive place for researchers to come to, um, which 20 years ago, we heard a lot about that. It was the opposite, the people yeah. were going elsewhere. Right. So the, the brain drain mm -hmm. was the uh, discussion of the day. Mm -hmm. And uh, the brain gain, I think, has very much occurred. Uh, may continue to occur. Uh, we hear much discussion in the current uh, domain about additional investment in research, really uh, continuing to attract and retain the brightest and the best. But for those of us who were working in the system back then, it was a, a real challenge to both maintain the, the stars that you had and to try to attract those who may have gone south of the border or to Europe for postdocs or other training opportunities, had early, early career awards there. And frankly, the CFI was the um, key ingredient that allowed us to attract major scientific players back to Canada. The, the challenge of finding a, a salary for them was somewhat daunting for the universities, teaching hospitals or, or colleges in some cases. But uh, the startup costs for those in what I'll call big science mm. was almost insurmountable until the CFI came along and really, I think, filled a tremendously important void. It also, I believe, um, pushed further the boundaries of transdisciplinarity and interdisciplinarity by saying, really for the first time, number one, uh, academic institutions, you need a strategic plan and you need to put on the masthead what you're all about. And number two... Uh, was, that, was that not something that they did? Really that was. wasn't standard? It was not standard. The, the Canadian way used to be the, what we would refer to as the peanut butter approach. We wanted, we wanted to make sure that everybody had their fair share. Uh, when CFI came in, the focus was on excellence. And so what we wanted to do is to fund research facilities, but make sure that we were uh, essentially edging our bets on the best people in the country. So in order to do so, CFI you know, did uh, something quite innovative at the time. They said, well, okay, let's get universities to identify their three, four, five priorities, and let's make sure that CFI investments are aligned with those priorities. So you cannot be everything to everybody. And it has worked remarkably well because it has allowed institutions to essentially demark themselves from others as opposed to making sure that everybody was average. Now you've got really some clear focus of excellence across the country. It also allowed us to see investigators who were 
who weren't individually awarded the infrastructure. The institution was awarded the infrastructure, right. which is tremendously important. Big shift. Big shift. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it allowed not only institutions, but regions or groups of institutions to say, you have this remarkable piece of infrastructure. No one person is going to use it all the time. How might we get others to maximize the use of that rare and important equipment? So this would be, uh, you have an MRI at UBC, but SFU, researchers from SFU, University of Victoria, exactly. uh, in the interior, can come and use it. Uh, exactly. And that has been propagated through many, many uh, other types of installations, what we call regional facilities, that now service you know a larger uh, percentage of, of the research. Because... Researchers are are machine huggers. They're equipment huggers. <laughs> they want their equipment just for themselves, even though it's being used only one hour or two hour a week sometimes. And so CFI was able to break that mold uh, quite effectively uh, from the very beginning. That being said, that shift in culture away from um, spreading the peanut butter, perhaps thin, to asking universities to identify particular areas of concentration um, creates and it must have been controversial. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a matter of making choices. But let me just say one thing that I think is important. One of the things that I think Canada needs to do, and we've seen it in the budget, the same way that we're asking for strategic research plans of institutions, I think Canada needs to make choices. And the fact that Canada's made choices in regenerative medicine, in artificial intelligence, in quantum computing. We've invested, we've supported investments of close to $100 million in quantum computing. This is a technology where we may only see the benefits of that technology in 10, 15, 20 years from now. But Canada is a world leader in quantum computing with investments in Waterloo, Sherbrooke, uh, UBC, and elsewhere. So uh, in essence, the fact that Canada has decided to make those choices and to identify these uh, pockets of excellence, uh, a little bit the same way that we have been doing through our investments, uh, I think augurs well for the future. Kevin, do you think internationally it's understood um, the level of investment that Canada is making in research, um, in research infrastructure in the case of CFI, but in research in general, is that well understood outside of Canada? Probably like most things we do in Canada, not well understood enough. But I think CFI has been very, very active in receiving um, heads of state, uh, scientific commissions. Jill and his colleagues have traveled extensively to uh, promote the Canadian model. So I think it's, it's much better understood than it once was. Also, successive governments have made some choices around investments in major scientific and, um, endeavors abroad, like the, the array, the massive telescope that we're looking to the, to the heavens in, uh, like at CERN, the uh, nuclear accelerator. So many um, opportunities where I think Canada certainly holds its head high in my own, er- in my own disciplines in health sciences and medicine. Uh, Canada is a destination place because uh, particularly in industrial research, they realize we punch above our weight at a price structure that's much more attractive. Uh, so I think that that is well understood. However, like all things in research, to pause is to regress. So every time uh, people would like to say, well, we've, we've caught up. And the reality, just pick on genetics as an example, uh, you, you're, ne- you're never caught up in a genetic sequencer that is changing daily and that will require 
economic feeding uh, every year, not every 10 years. So will it be a challenge? It will. But successive governments of, of uh, political, varying political stripes have all seen the advantage and made the investment and I think reaped the benefits. You know, at CFI, we always say that we have four major objectives. Number one, to foster world-class research. That's obviously as, that we've been, that's what we've been talking about since the beginning. Number two, attract and retain the best people in the world. Number three, train the next generation of researchers on state-of-the-art facilities so that they can be extremely more marketable and gain that experience. And number four, which is what Kevin was referring to, foster innovation and commercialization. The idea is to, with those investments, how can we push the needle further? And, you know, that's one area where Canada needs to do a little bit more. And you saw the budget last week. You've mentioned uh, the hundreds of times that the word innovation was mentioned. I think people realize now that innovation is key and is the key to a successful uh, economy, a successful nation. You know, we've defined, uh, we've just produced a, a nice picture book uh, that talks about innovation. And for us, the definition of innovation is very, very simple. It's the desire to make things better. And in essence, what we're doing in funding research infrastructure and funding those researchers so that they can have access to these state-of-the-art facility is to try to improve the quality of life of, of Canadians and of people around the world. Well, I can, Jill and I, Jill will remember this as well, but we had a board meeting in Saskatoon not so long ago. And one of the pleasures was visiting the Canadian Light Source. And as remarkable a piece of infrastructure as we saw. Maybe, maybe you can just help. What does the Canadian Light Source do? What is its goal? I'm going to let Jill tell you that exactly. <laughs> it's, it's very, very simple. It's a big, big flashlight. Right. Essentially, it's, it's a big burst of light that is going to be helpful in looking at matter. That's all it is. And they accelerate particles and they essentially create that, that, uh, that super duper light that essentially is used in materials research. So you see in something really small, you need a very bright light to be able to see exactly. it. Exactly. it okay. Well, in the basic physical principles and anyway, so it, it's, it's quite a remarkable, uh, and many people come from abroad. It's interesting when we were there to hear the number of accents, frankly, right? Many people not born in Canada who have come to Canada to work there. But one of the most remarkable components, I think, was hearing the story about the summer camp mm. that was bringing in kids to really introduce them to science where Canada was operating at the world, a world-class scale and letting young, very young people um, experiment using this remarkable infrastructure to light their desire for a life in science or engineering or perhaps even media uh, talking about it. So they, they really did a remarkable job uh, demonstrating how infrastructure not only helps the practicing scientist of today and tomorrow, but the young Canadian whom we might spark their interest to make science their career. It's a good story, but it feels highly irresponsible to be allowing a group of kids to be using the. <laughs> they were very carefully. Were they good? They, were they weren't. Monitored. They weren't just flashing was, it willy nilly. They, they were no more. Uh, they were at no greater risk than the normal scientists <laughs> we'd allow into the environment. Now, one of the big things that CFI did um, 
is to change the way of thinking of people who were thinking of research. They, you encourage them to think big. Uh, Carmen Charette talks about how people would come with proposals and it would be, uh, you know, essentially to update the uh, the microscopes in their lab. And, and she would send back and say, you're just not thinking big enough. I mean, come come back with something more, which was a, a very strange thing for researchers to be hearing from funding bodies. But that was the challenge that was thrown back at them. I need you to think bigger. bigger. Mm-hmm. Is that happening now? Do we, in as a country, as researchers, do you think we think big enough now? If we look at the price tags, we're certainly thinking bigger Uh, our scientists are and universities are. But I think also if you look at uh, one of the strengths of CFI has been bringing in the brightest and best in the world to evaluate the proposal. So we haven't suffered from myopia of returning that amongst those who perhaps do the work or work with those who do the work. And when the kind of teams that we are bringing together to evaluate the proposal literally are, are the best people in the world in their discipline. Mm. So I think they, they certainly are thinking big enough. I think there's a little caution in it, though, and that is that, that innovation doesn't always have to be at scale to start. And I think one of the things the CFI works with and at is that always um, important struggle between uh, big enough, bold enough, and enough uh, history and backbone to say you can be world competitive. And perhaps that very unique, smaller place that can do something quite remarkable, perhaps even more remarkable than the largest of places. And she'll give it a good example of where we found the balance of the, the UFA, the big universities and teaching, teaching hospitals collaborating, but also some small universities and now uh, colleges who we're making investments in that will bring a different kind of innovation, but equally important innovation. It could just be the novelty of the idea it itself. Could, absolutely. And in fact, we should uh, demystify this a little bit because, you know, our investments are not all big. The large fraction of our money goes to the large pieces of equipment, but 80% of the awards that we make are less than $250,000, 80%. So the needs differ from one discipline to the other. You may have, yes, the particle physicists that need the $100 million installation, but you'll have somebody doing linguistics uh, with computers that essentially will cost, you know, a few hundred thousand dollars, maybe a million dollars. And uh, that's where CFI can be quite helpful in making sure that even the smaller pieces of equipment are accessible as well as the larger ones. Yeah, that's important. I mean, it, it, the the larger ones, the ones that are going to get the headlines and are going to get exactly. noticed, right? But uh um, I want to look at when you, when you, uh, Kevin, came on as chair, and Jill, when you came on as president. I'm just interested in what did you see as job number one? Well, I, I can tell you, my primary job was hiring a president and CEO. There we go. There we go. So I think. <laughs> well I, done. I know, yeah, well done. Yeah. No. Uh, so um, we. Uh, it was tremendously important, obviously, to secure the leadership of Jill. And I think the advantage of having someone who has come from being an academic administrator, being an academic, being an academic who spun off into the business world for a period of time, Jill really brought a flavor and understanding of what it felt like for the frontline researcher. And I think helped CFI return to a bit of its roots in terms of are we doing all the things we can to make the people as successful as we wish they they could be. 
So that that was pretty important. I think the other um, issues that that always come up, uh, the our name is innovation, and uh, occasionally we get chastised for are we innovation or are we excellence? Are we just continuing to invest in the excellent? And are we doing enough on what about innovation that doesn't happen? That's interesting. That's an interesting tension, isn't it? It's because, a very interesting. Because tension. innovation implies failure, risk of failure. Right. It may not work right. out. Well, and we know in research, we start always in good science with the null hypothesis. It will not work out. Right. That's where we, where we begin. So I think that coupled with the work with the tri-councils and, and, and STIC, uh, sorry, the Science Technology Innovation Committee, um, many of us, I think, stepped back and said, the first job one, uh, as begun by the founding of the CFI, was reinvesting in eroded infrastructure, absolutely essential infrastructure. Now that we're getting better at that, what are the next, shall I say, levels uh, that, where we can help innovation f flourish? And part of that, I think, has been seeing, for example, the creation of the college fund, mm -hmm. where um, historically we didn't see a lot of uh, requests or, or even coverage by colleges. We're now seeing much more activity on the college front. We're seeing much more activity on the small university fronts. We're seeing more teaching hospitals or research-intensive hospitals stepping up to the plate with their universities. So um, I, I believe many of those things, I know many of those things wouldn't have happened with Ojo's leadership and frankly, the team that he put together. So it made it easy to be chair when you recruit a great CEO, which sure helps. <laughs> when I joined, and when I joined in 2010, it's, I say to my staff, you know, it's as if I died and gone to heaven because CFI is one of the best organization there is to uh, obviously to manage. Uh, there's a great team of, of, of people uh, behind uh, these awards that we're making and the communication side of things, et cetera, et cetera. So overall, uh, you know, a fantastic organization. Um, and uh, when I came in, you know, we had just received uh, 700 and in 2009, $750 million. And so our main challenge at that time was to uh, address some of the emerging needs that started in 2010. Um, so for the first time ever, uh, the board was uh, asked to look at the operational support of uh, research infrastructure of, of what we called at the time unique national facilities. So, so operating costs would be the basics, uh, maintenance, electricity, electricity. maintenance, uh, repairs, uh, et cetera, et cetera. You build a great institute, but it costs money to keep it running. It costs money to keep it running. You know, we, the rule of thumb for most pieces of equipment is that it costs about 15% of the capital cost per year to operate a facility. So doing the math is not difficult if you've invested you know, a uh, billion dollars of infrastructure and you've got half of that infrastructure that is still operational because the rest may have been decommissioned or whatever, which is fine after 20 years, then you need a sizable amount of money for operating purposes. And just to give you an example of the $1.33 billion that we received in budget 2015, 46% of those funds are going to operational support. 54% are going to infrastructure, but 46% are going to operate facilities across the country. And I would venture to say that five years from now or 10 years from now, that ratio is going to be 60-40.
and maybe 6535. I think the operational support uh, for uh, not only large-scale facilities, but for facilities across the country where institutions need assistance from the federal government, because it is a responsibility of the federal government to support research, um, is going to be increasing to, to that level. Well, let's, I mean, let's move ahead to that, to those future challenges. Um, it almost seems like an, an inevitable consequence of some of the values that CFI has. If you're going to be funding groundbreaking research, if your goal is to try to convince people or encourage people to think big or to think in innovative ways, um, it's quite likely, and if one of your goals is to try to facilitate research within a broad region, as you've discussed before, uh, you're going to want to create facilities that last. You're not you're not setting looking for pop up research labs. You're looking for labs that are going to last. Isn't so an inevitable consequence is down the road if they do last is operating costs start to uh, add up. And so Kevin, I wonder we've spoken about the tension at CFI between excellence and innovation. It appears almost there's another growing tension between uh, operating costs and innovation in the sense that the challenge with operating costs is it's not new. <laughs> It's, you're funding something that exists and you're funding an idea that exists. You're not funding the idea that might exist. So do you see, is that a tension yeah. that needs to be worked out? It's a modest tension, although I'd say I think it is being worked out. Uh, when we started and for the first 20 years, and of course you, you grant early and then it takes some time to create and build and get up and running. And then as, as um, costs uh, accrue over the next number of years, I think CFI has stepped up to the plate. Now we're starting to see facilities that have been long enough in place that really do need some significant investment. I don't think that there will be attention at the CFI or frankly at the federal level of, of funding to realize that now that we've got this remarkable infrastructure, we're going to have to find ways to invest in keeping it. So, uh, so far we haven't seen any pushback from that concept. The challenge will always be, well, where is the right fulcrum? Is it 35%? Is it 20%? Is it 60%? That debate will rage on, as it should. And we hope out of the upcoming um, major science, I'm sorry, out of the upcoming fundamental science review, that we might also hear some comments on that. But research infrastructure more broadly, as you know, has been a topic long addressed by universities. And I think it'll be a topic that we continue to discuss for many more years to come. Uh, Kevin described the, uh, the the tension or the, the challenge we were just uh, speaking about as a moderate tension. Um, do you see, is there a bigger challenge coming down the pipe for innovation in Canada uh, and for CFI over the next 10 to 20 years? I think for CFI in general, I think the things that we need to address is, um, you know, and... and what I'm going to say is is obvious, but research is global now. And so we have to make sure that we can participate uh, and be a true partner on emerging international opportunities, essentially. Um, you know, the Zika virus was one example, uh, the Ebola, uh, where, you know, it would have been great for us at CFI to have the flexibility to say, hey, how can we respond to an emerging crisis internationally, number one, or to a great idea? Uh, you know, the, the, uh, I'll use a, um, uh, an example from the social sciences, uh, the, the massive increase in the number of refugees in the last couple of years, and the Syrian refugees in particular. How can the research community address this need 
you know, uh, immediately and provide the resources and potentially the infrastructure. Um, CFI makes investments in Canada, but we make investments also around the world. People think that we only build and we only fund infrastructure here in Canada. Not true. Uh, we funded a major uh, AIDS research uh, clinic in Nairobi. Uh, we funded a major physics facility in Oak Ridge, uh, the spallation facility in, in Oak Ridge. We're putting a lot of money at CERN. We've put a lot of money at, um, in Hawaii in the, in the uh, 30-meter telescope and also the Canada-France-Hawaii uh, telescope uh, system. And so there, you know, those emerging international opportunities, I think, is one area where, where we're going to have to be... Uh, because Canadian researchers want to work with the best researchers in the world. So we have to find ways of providing the resources they need to work with the best. Uh, a researcher in, uh, in Munich uh, with a researcher in Paris uh, working on regenerative medicine, for example. And so providing that opportunity, I think, would be, would be, is, is, is the future for us. Yeah. Unquestionably, uh, the challenge of resource allocation will always be tense. And I, I suspect, and I'll be interested in Jill's uh, comment on this, is that um, when we have areas where we um, increasingly are challenged by uh, needed resources, uh, and at the same time, perhaps reviews come back and say, we're not quite there. So I think that the inherent tension is, we'd like to be world-class, we're not quite there. Do you pull the plug or do you make the investment to get there? And that always is the inherent tension. Difficult conversations. Very difficult conversations. At CFI to date, the focus has been, we're there. We are playing in the big leagues, and that's where we're making investment to maintain our role, expand our role, play a bigger role. Uh, I suspect in the future, one of the challenges will be, we'd like to be more global players. We're pushed to be more global players. Uh, are we prepared to go there and make that investment to get us there, as opposed to keep us there? Um, just to, as a final question for both of you, I'm just wondering, are you optimistic looking ahead or are you, what's your general mood looking ahead to the next uh, 10, 20 years? I, I think remarkably optimistic. How could we live in Canada today and not be? So we've seen, um, significant investments in, in science and engineering and the other academic disciplines. We see, uh, a focus on innovation like never before. Perhaps the words being sprinkled more, more than in the past. We may have to refine what that means and how we define success. But I'm incredibly optimistic. I, I think we, we also ha have to be optimistic in that our workforce and demography is changing. The kinds of high qualified personnel jobs that we can be internationally competitive in are those that research intensive enterprises will provide. That we, we won't be that uh, common um, or perhaps lowest cost um, manufacturing environment that we once were. So and we, we, I'm optimistic and I think one must be. Jill? And I would echo that. I'm, I'm extremely optimistic. I think people understand now that research is the cornerstone of innovation. We all know that, you know, if we don't innovate as a country, we're going to be left behind. But if we want to innovate, the first thing we have to do is to support research. Uh, and I think, you know, at the beginning, this was a hard sell. 
it's becoming much easier. Obviously, they're, we're competing for dollars with very good causes, social causes, etc. But I think people will understand that if you don't have that investment, and you know, the discussion we've had uh, demonstrates that because of, you know, if you don't invest, you're falling behind. Uh, you know, governments now understand that. And so, no, I'm, I'm extremely optimistic uh, about the future. And, you know, we're seeing what's happening right now in the world and the opportunities that lay ahead for Canada. I think it's, it's fantastic. And you've seen in the budget uh, some specific initiatives designed to make sure that we can continue to attract uh, the best and the brightest from around the world. Uh, 25 new research chairs uh, were created to um, attract international researchers. Um, no, it's, it's, you know, it'd be fun to have this, this interview in, uh, 20 years from now. All right. And we'll see, make a date and see where we are. <laughs> <laughs> that feels like a really encouraging place to, to end. Um, I want to thank both of you for taking this time to chat with us about it. Thank you. Thank you very much. Dr. Gilles Petri is the president and CEO of the Canada Foundation for Innovation, and Dr. Kevin Smith is the chair of its board of directors. If you haven't already, I encourage you to listen to the rest of our series on the origins of the CFI. Each episode offers an insider's account of the decisions that led to its creation, told by the key decision makers who were there, from Parliament Hill to Canada's campuses. It's a great story about a critical part of Canada's research history. Find our origin story, the series, at innovation.ca slash stories, or subscribe to the Canada Foundation for Innovation through your favourite podcast app. Also, please rate, review, and share this series. It really helps others to find it. I'm Neil Morrison. Thanks so much for listening. Listening.